You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Good morning. Hey, where's our little Champlin boy? Hopefully soon he comes. Oh, that's right. He, he likes to come late. That's right. I forget. So anyways, uh, you're not feeling very good today. So we got to kind of take over the reins a little. How do you how do you get sick in paradise? The Brazilian viruses. Oh, they have viruses. In okay. the jungles. You're living in the jungle. Nice. Here he is. What up? There he is. You always know when Andy's around. Hey there, Nick was in the Brazilian jungles and got some viruses, Andy. He's not he's not talking very well today. Well, last time he brought us COVID, so hopefully this time when he visits, he doesn't bring us some other weird stuff. Oh, good point. He was right out in, of the uh, jungles, Nick, huh? He was he was in uh Bologna, Italy at the time, and that's where is that where they went up and worked in the factories? I think that's where it was. Yeah. Remember he was telling you and I were sitting at a restaurant somewhere over in like, was it Hopkins or Minnetonka? Okay. And you're like, I think this stuff is getting serious because Nick was saying, and I'm like, oh, that's Italy. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. It's kind of crazy. And all of a sudden we're yeah, like, we're month- locking people up over there. It was about a month later then uh, all of a sudden it, it hit. So Yeah, then we got the old double whammy. Of course, I took his advice and stocked up and did everything. Not. Oh, did you? No. no. Of course yeah. I didn't. So. I was like, hey, the last time I was at Sam's Club, there were seven pallets of toilet paper, so who cares? Exactly. And then you it's see all these idiots that are still using their rations from when they stocked up four years ago or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. Andy, you'll go on your little lot up in Brainerd. If this happens right. again. I, uh, I got a buried bunker, which is really convenient for times like that. So I'll bring my sprinter up there too. Yeah. It'll that'd be, be cool. cool. Yeah. It'll be good. <laughs> All right. What are we thinking? Market. Yeah. Good. It's good. The market is good. Hey, I'll tell you what. I uh, was just talking. I've got some uh, new, by the way, if you hear a little racket in the background, I got some new garage doors being installed today. Oh. Um, I was just downstairs talking to the guys and we were, you know, they work with other builders and, and, and remodel. He goes, my remodeling business is fantastic. My builders have slowed down and they're doing less models, but they're still taking orders. And um, I was out snow. I had, I had to do three driveways right now. I got my brother, Tom, who lives next door on vacation. My other neighbor on the other side is on vacation. And then I got the parade of homes and I'm trying to do all these driveways today. I'm like, that's why I'm oh, red wow. in the face. Oh, you were already out this Ooh. morning. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so they're seeing that. Um, I, not to be braggadocious, but I mean, I sold about four and a half million dollars worth of real estate since Friday. So we've been cranking. Right. Is that from the parade? Yeah. hundred percent. Oh, wow. People are coming in right now and they're either a hundred percent like, Hey, don't even waste your time with us. We're window shopping for, to kill time. Or they're like, we're picking builders. We have a lot. We're ready to go. Let's cut the deal. I want your best pricing. Don't screw around. You're up against three other guys. And I've been really having some great success. Hmm, interesting. I think people are just tired of waiting. They 
they're still earning the most money they've ever earned in their lives. And yes, inflation sucks. And yes, interest rates aren't attractive, but they're still having good times. And people build houses for them in the situation they're in, not just because the economy is good. So we have that falsity. All the economy does is kind of gives them a nonverbal permission to proceed with their dreams. I think this market also. That should have been the yay, Andy. Hey, hey, hey. hey the, Nick's busy chugging cough syrup. But I think the other part is that people want something good, too. And maybe if they see icky interest rates are high, you know, nothing's going right, but they have the money to do it, they can create their their fun. I mean, there's nothing there. I I enjoy it. I'm doing, a, a, well, a remodel right now. And I've got a flip that I'm going to be starting on. And there's nothing I like better than that, than creating something. And it's not cheap to hold on to and, and be able to put together. And the chance that you're taking is pretty good. But it's super fun to create something that someone else couldn't see. And then you create it and are able to sell it. You know, I've been getting backup listings too, though. I've been seeing the um, my market where I've got people waiting. Um, and they're not waiting anymore. They're actually saying, okay, we're getting ready. Let's, let's, you know, order photos, let's sign paperwork. And so I, God, I hope it, it's going to launch. I mean, I'm might be in it. Like I said, I might be in my own little bubble right now. Cause I market pretty hard when times get slower. Most people get scared. I get crazy and start really like digging deep. Yep. And so I might be having a little more momentum than some, but I'll tell you, it, it sure feels like there could be a real nice spring here for us. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you say that, it, it is kind of interesting because I think a lot of people are getting hit hard. And yeah. we're finding right now house, housing affordability, it's, it's historic low. Yeah, we're – is, is, uh, so I, I missed the pre-show, and I apologize. Um, how sick is Nick? Well, look at him. Let's see if he comes on. I, have, I haven't seen him yet. I, I, uh, I shouldn't even – find joy in that but the i uh i missed my first my first practice in about seven years last night i was oh. a zombie oh we'll leave you alone buddy sorry i just had to see your face <laughs> it makes yeah. my day, buddy well that's why we did it on friday because the guy was sick but yeah okay, what's this say fewer than a quarter homes listed for sale nationwide nationwide qualified as affordable for the typical u.s household that's quite interesting uh, yep. The median family income of Americans is now only enough to afford the median priced home in one third of the country. And many major Baltimore areas have median family incomes that can't even cover the median price home. And they are predicts that this lack of affordability will have a negative impact on the housing market. Wrong. The problem is there's no inventory and it fits the number of buyers that are out there right now. When he zooms in, it looks like I didn't do my hair today. Oh, you all, your hair. Put them back. I'll put it on Nick style. I don't think Nick ever wears a hat, but he's got beautiful curly locks. Why would he? He doesn't like to hide his locks. Yeah, I was wearing a stocking cap this morning, so I apologize. Back to real um, How's no, you know, Well, here's the thing: for a long time, you know, when rates were low and incomes were going up, everything became so affordable. They do that index, right? The index was probably the best it's been in 50 years. Now that rates are going up and the income is kind of sitting there and kind of trickling up a little bit, it's exceeding the interest rates are exceeding the income. So that's what we're going to see when they, they're talking about a correction. That's what they're talking about, the correction, because they usually coincide pretty closely together because if people can't afford the payments, they're not going to buy the houses. Well, 
The good news is for those stats, the houses aren't for sale anyway. So it's not like we're sitting there with 50,000 houses on the market. So there's an oversaturation, which brings values down. We're actually seeing less houses for sale. And so it's keeping prices high. And then with inflation, it's just, it is what it is. I mean, until that gets under control, which it sounds like it's kind of getting there, um, then that slows down a little bit. Then the houses will stop appreciating as much, but it doesn't mean they're going to depreciate. So I got a bunch of goodies coming on here, kind of in that anywhere from, let's see, probably 475 to 750. Nice. And uh, we've got seven of them that are coming on in the next week, maybe two weeks. And I, I'm getting ready for the, the blur because that's what it is out there in that price point too. So yeah, you, when you get that busy, man, it's fun. I see. I love being. I'm weird. Duh. I'm a little weird, but I love to be just slammed. I mean, just go, 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 go. I just love that. So I think even with this housing affordability hitting historic low, it's not really affecting the market. It really, it really isn't. Oh, what do we got here for this chart? This is this is showing affordability. It's it's contradicting yeah. what you're saying. Right. Yeah, affordability is not there, but thank goodness. I mean, if inventory changes, the market will change. That's the that's the fact. Once that happens, but we can let me let me so let's let's for the listener that's not really paying hundred percent attention to all the rags out there and or news or whatever you want to call it. The so for me, I see actually like a housing um I don't say the word prison, but let's call it like there's an encaged amount of people, like 40% of the people that have mortgages or more. I think it's close to 50% have interest rates of below 3%. So that means they have extremely low payments. So then they say, you know, boy, Chris, um, why don't you go out and show us a couple new houses? We're living in a $500,000 house. We might want to go look at a million dollar house. And then their payment goes from $3,000 a month to $7,000 a month. And they go, whoa, whoa, we didn't know it was that big of a step. So now that move up buyer freezes in their tracks, stays put. We have the same thing happening with the retirement age people where they live in a 4,000 square foot house. And let's say it's worth 550, 600,000. And then they go out and sit during the parade and they start shopping one level slab on grade ramblers because that's what every person thinks they need. And they're detached. They're great. And all of a sudden that house is 580,000 by the time they load it up with everything they want. And they go, it's going to, we're going to put 30 grand in our pocket and switch houses. And now we're in a smaller house that, you know, so I think that's that's the glut, and that's that's your baby boomers. So you got baby boomers struggling, and I think what they're doing is they're taking their money and going to Florida and Texas and Arizona, and they're buying places down there. Or or I even have a lot of my retired couples now going where there's less tax burden. So they're moving to where they can experience less taxation. And I'm telling you, I think the country is going to – with some of the crazy stuff they're talking about, you'll see more and more and more of that. We're going to see, I think you're going to see Minnesota split in half. There's going to be North Minnesota and South Minnesota. And, and you're going to have, uh, <coughs> one's going to be really up north. There's going to be really uh, one side of the fence and the other side is going to be. I think that is already happening. But anyways, um, next, should I, we got a little question here about dumping a realtor. Uh, and they what? want to know if they're overreacting. So husband. Husband and I recently made an offer on a property that's been on the market for 158 days. We offered 8% below listing, and our agent told us that was a low ball, which more than it is. However, two hours after sending our offer, he posted a video of the property on social media. 
essentially advertising as if it was still on the market. We feel like this was an un unprofessional of him and not sure if we continue to work with this agent or if we're overreacting. Well, let's let's try to tear this apart a little. Number yeah, one, is he the listing agent? I mean, because if he's the listing agent, he has a he has a right and a duty to be able to share responsibility, my friend. Get that seller the most money they possibly can. Amen. Maybe that seller told them, you know what? Hey, that's kind of stinks. Let's just try to see if we can find anyone else out there. He has to, they they have, he or she has to do that. Um, if he's advertising a property that he doesn't have listed, well, there, there's another problem and you should probably get away from him. But um, I don't know. I think I would look into it a little more. And, it, and here's a weird, here's a weird concept. Ask mm -hmm. him, ask him or her and yeah. say, what is it? What's the story? Too, too many people don't ask, you know, they just assume everything. And so just go right to the source and ask them, why, why did you do that? Mm -hmm. You know, and Andy, typically 8%. I mean, so if we're talking, it's a $400,000 house. So they're offering 32,000 less. That is traditionally a low ball offer. Yeah. I think, I think the average right now is they're getting like 99 and a half percent of list price. Yeah. And we've gotten some lower, which is yeah, great. So the only it's reason why there's again, I think. Oh, go ahead, Chris. Sir, I was just going to say, I think that the ones that are getting lowball were priced wrong in the first place, and so it doesn't necessarily mean that it's just what those houses are worth. So you could say, hey, it's a million dollars, but it should have only been eight hundred thousand, and you went ten percent under. That's not a lowball, you know, because the price is really eight hundred thousand. So. You got to identify, and everyone concentrates on what it's listed for, but it's what it's worth. So. Well, that, that's that's the problem, Chris. A lot of real estate agents aren't experts on pricing, or they don't have enough experience to properly price a house, or they don't have the guts to stand up to their seller and say, hey, you're overpricing this house. You're wasting everybody's time, but since I have nothing else going on, hey, I'll list the house for you for 50 grand over what it's worth, and then we, we you die a slow death. You sit there and sit there and you do open houses and you, hey, I'm, look at how hard I'm working for you as an agent. And it's not selling because it's just simply overpriced. And then you get them to reduce it. You get them to reduce it. And then you get an offer that comes in that's low. A lot of times those agents that are wise go, okay, here's my chance. Um, hey, guys, you won't accept this offer, but let's, this is the market now finally telling you what they think the house is worth. One offer, um, you know, 30000 under, let's, let's consider doing a reduction. Or let me throw it out there to the general public that, hey, we're doing a big price reduction this weekend, uh, $30,000 price reduction, and it might stimulate five people to come in and write offers. We might get a better offer for you with better terms, you know? So um, that that's overpricing. People are too smart nowadays, man. Yeah. And the old, I need to leave room for negotiations. No, you don't. Yeah. Because if you price it right, you're going to get more than what you could negotiate. Because human nature is, if they want it and they think it's a good deal, They'll pay more because they appreciate you doing it. And anyway. And buyers don't come into houses thinking, okay, well, he this seller needs a little negotiating position. So that's why he priced it this way. Right. I'm going to try to go this. They don't do that. And so what they do is they come in and say, oh, my gosh, this one's 400 The other one's $389. i am going to go to that 389 one because it's yep. a better deal. And you, so you all you're doing is helping the other person. Correct. And that's what's happening with the parade of homes right now. I mean, Andy Prasky's out there running these homes, four and a half million dollars worth of production last week in the first week of the parade of homes. And all of a sudden now, how are you going to compete with this guy? How many homes more can you sell, Mr. Prasky? 
I will double my production, sir. Double. He's double. So we're going double on his production. John, and we're like getting, he got model job. homes from – how many model homes are you guys handling, Andy? Uh, well, as a company, why they have 12. So there's 12 model uh, homes. I've only, I've only got like uh, three up in the North Metro. Can you name every number of each model, please, quick, really fast? Uh, give me one minute. <laughs> this is your commercial, by the way, just so you know. No, thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's Andy Prasky. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't think my commercials run as good when I do them. Yeah. But I was just going to say that uh, you guys do have 12 different models. Price price points from where to where, Andy? I'm in uh, model 179, 180, and 205. Okay. So I have models like in Blaine. I've got uh, a really nice, my most popular Cape Cod plant, about 4,000 finished square foot, two-story. Five bedroom, five bath, three car garage for about seven thirty. I have uh, one down. Or no. What's that? Sport court. No sport court. Well, the sport court adds another gosh, almost twelve hundred square feet. By the time we had the sport court and we have some bigger square footage, um, uh, which is nice. You know, it's about a hundred grand more. Yeah. Um, and then we have a nice uh, rambler. So those people looking for ramblers, here's what's crazy. I even have inventory homes right now. I have four ramblers under production i have two of them that are completed ready to move in and what's really nice chris is this so when we have houses that are done we can actually say okay you write an offer on this house contingent upon the sale of your house now we sell your house the new one's ready to go we move your stuff in you close on the other one you know it's boom 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 it's nice and easy very safe so for those of you that are kind of conservative thinkers um this is a perfect scenario for you there we go there we go yeah, and then the one over in Hugo, I've got uh, that number 205 out of Sport Court. So people that are kind of curious, I've got a, a big, beautiful, almost 4,000 finished square foot house with a Sport Court, five bedroom, four bath, three car garage for 714. And that's with a Sport Court in it. What's that? What's the lot price in that? About 95. I've got 95 to 130 in Hugo for lots. That's not so, bad. Yeah, well, a lot of that new stuff that's coming that has the, uh, the White Bear Lake um, in that area. What's uh, Hugo have to offer? Hugo, a really, really nice uh, Dunkin' Donuts um, on the oh, corner. Yeah. And <laughs> Donuts. no, you know what's funny? You've got that. You've got the White Bear Lake, Hugo, Forest Lake kind of market right up that 61 there. A lot of it, it's kind of the beginning of the east side of the metro, right? Before you get out to like Scandi and some of those amazing areas. Uh, school, it's about great freeway access schools, like I said. Um, so and it's, you know, like especially Hugo. Hugo's still growing. I mean, they're, they're literally getting their caribou coffees now. They're getting their, you know, the Dunkin' Donuts. They've always had the McDonald's. But, you know, some of the restaurants in the area are great too. The Wise Guys, um, Pizza Pub. They have the, uh, you know, the Blue Heron. They have... A lot of these great like restaurants now. Yes, I want you to know something. I drove by a, a DD, a Dunkin' Donuts, the other day, and I don't think I've ever been to one. I was thinking about that. It, it's a treat. It. Uh, <laughs> we, I I you know what's funny is I used to always like my 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 people in the models. I'll stop and I'll get a, like a big box of donuts for them to eat, and they get so mad at me because they're like, "We don't need donuts. We're we're trying to save calories, whatever." And so they have these, they have a French roll there. That's kind of like a rolled spiral. And I was like, nobody would eat it. Cause it looked weird. And I ate it and it was like a waffle. 
And I don't know what they're called, but they're like a spiral. Looks like a spiral spun donut. Dude, really nice. Social media reacts. Here we yeah. go. This okay. entire village in the Netherlands is home to people with dementia. Hoga Bay is a dementia village, but it looks like a typical Dutch town. It has restaurants, cafes, supermarkets, and even a theater. The only difference is that it's a closed private facility that cares for people who suffer from severe dementia. Instead of living in a traditional nursing home isolated from society and the real world, the people at Hoga Bay are living fulfilling, happy, and normal lives. Through the guidance of their caretakers, the residents get to shop around, eat at restaurants, and take a stroll in the park. Not to mention the cashiers, waiters, barbers, and everyone working there are trained in dementia care. Ogave has created a beautiful and safe community where those who suffer from dementia can lead normal lives no different from the ones that we live. And the best part is they don't remember what they did the day before, so you could have horrible service one day and the next day they're excited to try it again. That's true. Don't you know, what a you. cool way to treat your people, man. I mean, that, that's a sad thing about it. People don't know what to do with people that have that kind of level of illness. And and what a cool, societal, awesome way to treat people. I've talked to a lot of people that are dealing with this. And, oh, yeah. And there's not a lot of choices. I mean, it's a very no. frustrating thing. And you start, you know, you basically put them in a, in a facility that they can walk around in, you know, squares and rectangles. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And so that is, yeah, that is really neat. I mean, I don't know that whole multi-generational, I think overseas, that was in the Netherlands, I think, but that whole overseas, I think, um, turns it into, um, there's more family. I mean, here we just kind of stuff them away. Real right. quick. But do you think, how do you think that would go Andy from, uh, uh, if you were that's in an area, say maybe they made this city somewhere, in the United States, I think that could be attractive um, to other people moving closer to that, to be able to have something like that. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that the, there's a little bit of a delusion there with the everybody's walking around and acting like they're happy. And that guy that's buttering that bread for six hours straight is confused. I mean, so, you know, they're still part of society, so they don't feel like they're they're locked up. But on the other hand, you got to remember, there's probably a lot of people walking around there saying, hey, how's it going today? How, how's the you've been buttering that bread for seven hours, little Johnny, yeah. um, you know, or whatever. So, I mean, there's there's got to be some level of of infusion of interaction with to keep I'm just going to say it's, it's probably it's probably more for the people that have the people in that village. You know, it's making you as a as a son or a daughter or a, a granddaughter, you know, okay that your grandma's in there. Well, but a lot of dementia people, they don't remember you and they don't know where they are and they're scared because they don't know where they are. And so it has to be, you know, I, well, I'm not an expert. I'll, I'll be quiet. But I think that that's one of the, you know, if you've ever had that unfortunate situation as a family member, everybody's a little bit different the way they go through that process. I remember my grandmother would sit there and she at first was very, angry that she couldn't remember things. And so she was like, darn it, I can't remember what's in my German potato salad. You know, and she'd get actually really mad. And then we'd bring out the recipe, we'd help her, and she'd she'd get so frustrated with herself. And then it got to the point of where it didn't matter to her anymore, where she would sit there and talk to you. And then my my grandmother had uh, caretakers uh, her until she died at her, at her personal home, which was really kind of cool. And they would look at the caretaker who was with them every day, all day long, and they would like, I'd have a great conversation. My grandma 
back in the day used to love dancing. And she goes, oh, we would go to the Polish Catholic dances down at the church. And I met this really fine young man named Charlie. And I we got married. And I'm like, yeah, I'm your grandson. I remember Grandpa Chuck. And, you know, and it's like you'd have these great conversations. I'd get up and I would leave. And then poor grandma would say, well, who, who was that? I could hear her saying it, you know. Totally. It was really nice. Who was that? But I do think I, I think that would be a wonderful thing to uh, create, and I think a lot of people would do it. And I think even if you had like uh, I don't know um, upper end, even Airbnb type, yeah, uh, condo living close to it. I mean, where people could fly in and hang out, hang out there, and or yep. have the ability to rent to other people that are there. I think you could do something really, from a real estate perspective, pretty neat. I think so too, you know, I mean, and it's, you know, some of those like simple memories that people have, they just want to feel normal. They, you want to put them in an environment where they relax. I, I still remember my grandma, she was sitting there one day and I came in there and, and I was sitting with her and her and, uh, and uh, Denise, the gal that was taking care of her. And I go, do you want to just hold hands and sit here? And she goes, yeah. And she goes, you know, what would be better than holding hands. And I go, what? She goes, if we had frosting. And Denise is like, no way. Don't give her any frosting. And so I go over and I look in the, sure enough, my grandma used to love to make cakes. She had some frosting in there. So I got us two spoons and we sat there. And she thought she was being so naughty, eating frosting. She's <laughs> holding my hand, eating frosting. She goes, I don't know who this guy is, but he's great. You know? <laughs> oh, God, it makes oh, me tear up a little bit. Unreal. I yes. miss that lady. She was cool. Yeah. Awesome. Good one. Hey. Hey. Those appliances were 700,000 of it. I'll tell you that. Yeah, for sure. Unbelievable. Wow. And I'll tell you what, on those things, that kitchen was maybe 500, but for whoever is getting that kitchen, it's, it's, it's its own. It costs you 500 more to be able to get it. So for a million dollars, I mean, that's, that's where money just doesn't really matter. You know? Well, you know, and, and for whatever it's worth, I mean, and, and God bless you for having that kind of money. No. Um, you know, one of the coolest uh, things I've ever back way back, he would never remember me, but I, Dave Anderson from Famous Dave's, and we were doing his landscape lighting at his house. He had a beautiful home in Edina. I don't know if he still lives there or not, but at the time he did. And he would come outside and he'd go, "Hey guys," he goes, "Hey, um, you know, I'm trying this new apricot rib. You know, you guys want to do some sampling for me and give me some honest feedback?" And we're sitting there, and also you walk into his lower level of his house. And he had a commercial kitchen, Chris, straight up, just like a restaurant. All, you know, the fryers and the smokers and the whatever, all in his basement. So it was like his test kitchen. Totally. And I'm like, so in a big, beautiful mansion, I'm assuming, of a house like that, why would you not? Because you're not cooking your own meals in that kitchen. I mean, you're going to have your staff doing that, I'm assuming. And at that point, why don't you just have a uh, looks cute kitchen and then have a commercial kitchen off to the side where your caterers and your professionals can get work done and then bring it out and present it? But yeah, I think I, I had a house listed right next to old Dave's place. Yeah. Or that commercial. It was up on a hill, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, yes. Yeah. Yep. All right. Next, little Dickie. Little, house, Nick. House, little Nick. 
a little Nicky. House flippers are struggling right now. I oh, bought really? a house back in April of 22 and was appraised for 610. I remodeled it entirely after the purchase and put in about 250,000, 70K into windows. I did an appraisal HELOC last week, which gave me only 618. I'm confused. Please advise why. So he's so he has almost 900 grand into that house. He has 900 grand into it and only got appraised for 618. So his HELOC's only based on that. Number one. Huh. They're assuming you have windows. Well, I, number one, that you don't get a ton of, you don't get a ton of extra on that. So if you don't, if you if you spend all your money on, on windows and a roof and siding and a furnace, you're not giving us any of the pizzazz that raises the price. So um, you kind of got to do those in conjunction with each other, or else it's not going to work. That was one of those. Remember that analogy we used to give of saying, "Hey." You know, that's like getting ready to trade in a car at a car dealership and tires are tires. You don't get any extra money for going and putting brand new tires on that car. So you, you trade in a car with brand new tires on it. They're like, okay, it's still a car. It's still worth 20 grand or whatever, you know? Unless, unless there's that one person that says, oh my gosh, I love those tires. Those things are normally worth $3,000. And Jesus, this, this car is priced great. I'll give you a thousand more. It just mm -hmm. doesn't happen. It's kind of like a septic system in, on an acreage property. You're, you're talking clear. tires and rims, Chris. That's different. Yeah, I know, but you're you're same thing. Tires, mm -hmm. tires and septic I'm systems doing. is what I'm doing. I'm I'm comparing tires. And... Really, cool. it is it is kind of like a, a septic in a way that yeah. you have to be able to have a working septic system, and if you don't, I mean. That stinks. You're gonna to have to replace it. It's gonna be twenty five thousand twenty five thousand dollars in which to be able to redo it. But is is that worth twenty five thousand to somebody else? It's usually not. Toilets need to flush. Yeah, you gotta have a that is a you know one very expensive part of being on a on a rural. If you think about this, mm -hmm. costs about two grand a year for some of these. You know, thousand bucks a year. You make it twenty years, right? Um, to own these septic systems. So people are like, yeah, but you pay less in taxes being out in the country. I go, I don't know if you do because you go to sell that house in a couple of years and you need a new septic. And now you got on top of what you paid for that house, on top of what you paid for the lot in the original septic. Now you put another 25 grand into, like we said, just so the toilets flush. You don't get any more for the house. But Andy, you can have a garden and chickens. And you know, so you'll save a thousand dollars a month there just in eggs. Yeah, you, you, uh, it's true. Eggs are very, they're worth a lot now, but. I know. I'm only human after all. I'm only human after all. Don't put the pain on me. What, right. uh, what just happened there? So it basically says that they're very frustrated with realtors that just sell a house right away, make $10,000, and you never have to look at them again. So here's oh. the thing. Selling a house right away. Would you rather have a realtor list it for a year, have 20 open houses and 50 showings, and then sell it? Or would you rather have them do it the right way, create that activity right at the beginning, get you um, a top price in two days? Tell me which one you'd rather have. It's like why my, my son says this. He goes, that's why the Mayo Clinic is so busy. He goes, you come in there because you want the surgery from a specific person that's going to get it done, get it done right. You don't ask the price. Because that's not the case, but you know it's going to be done and you're over with, right? Versus you go to a doctor that's new at it, 
doesn't do that procedure 50 times a day. They only do it once a month or once a year. And all of a sudden you're going to have to come back three times. And do you want to see your surgeon three times because you want value from the surgery? Or do you want them to get it done and get it done right and get move on with life? So we're not we're not designed to be your friend. We're designed to come in there, even though we may get along great and become a friend. But I mean, the idea is you're hiring us as a hired gun to come in there, do a job and get the hell out of there, make you the most amount of money possible, give you the most exposure and, and move on, negotiate the best deal for you. You got it. Good job, Andy. Well, I'm I. Uh, yeah, because it's true. I'm starting to thaw out now, Chris, by the way. I, I was after three driveways. I was a little cold. Oh, I bet. Did I tell you that I wear shorts when I snowblow? Do you really? Yes. My neighbors all make fun of me because I, I put on boots and I still wear my shorts and then I put on a jacket and a hat. And they're all like, <laughs> my neighbors are the original people next door. They were from Nevada. And they would literally, every time I'd snowblow, they would take pictures of me and send it to their friends in Nevada. They're like, look at this idiot. He's up here in the snow where it's free. Or I go out and get the mail. You're that guy. You are that guy. I am. Or I'll go out and get the mail and I'm wearing my flip-flops. And they're like, look at this guy in flip-flops getting the mail. I, I'm just used to it. I like to cool off a little bit once in a while. Yep. Solid real estate on TV versus solid real estate in real life. <laughs> very, very, true, very true. The... Your little uh, HDTVs aren't quite uh, realistic, where you can put a new kitchen kitchen in for four thousand dollars. Kitchen cabinets, Andy. How many kitchen cabinets are you in for four thousand? Not many. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and they're available, so they can get the flip done in three days. Mm, yeah. All right, Andy. So. We've had um, other realtors ask us, yeah. and I want to ask you as well. Um, how do you approach from a realtor? How do you approach when you're going to start showing houses? And do you have a, a process that you use on each house when you go through houses? Or for people that haven't been looked at houses lately, how do we let them know what is happening and how we handle it? So, and I'm going to say a little bit more of a qualifier from what perspective, like, is each house is different. Each buyer is different. Um, depending on the needs of each buyer, like, you know, let's say if I've got a customer on, on wheels, they're handicapped, you know, whatever you want to call that. I don't call it handicapped, handicapped, but whatever. And, and now you have to make sure that there's clear path to the house. You know, everything's available, accessible. Um, we have, we need 32 inches of clearance because I've, I've helped do customers this last year where, that was the exact case. And we had to have zero threshold. And then you get to the property and they don't shovel the curb. And I'm like, I, I so we can't even get into the, you know. So anyway, so that is one situation where I do a lot of front end work just because it saves us all a lot of time from driving to a location, try to look at it and you can't get in. That's one example, right? Is that let's what you're see. asking? Yeah, let's step back one. So when you are ready to show houses, do, do typically the buyers choose what houses they are? Or do you... Do you meet at the house? Do you get together and drive to the houses? Which one? Well, so if you go way back to, you know, hey, on my phone, I have this app. And I always say that is awesome for when, when you're a shopper. And shopping for real estate is really fun. Everybody does it. I go, but when you become a buyer, I need you to switch gears. And I want you to, to go to the accurate source, which is the MLS. And I'm going to get, and they say, but this is from the MLS. I go, right. But let's take an example. The house we're looking at right now that's um, pending because you just pended it. Cause we just wrote an offer on it for you. I go three days later, it still shows that house is active. 
because it's active pending inspection or active pending whatever. And so they keep them active. So anyway, first thing that I'll do is I'll actually go and I'll streamline it down so that we're working off of the MLS. It's up to the minute. It's up to date. It, you know, we can trust it, right? Um, the websites and all the other apps, I'm not, they're not quite as accurate. I mean, they try to be, but anyway. And from what everyone, what, so everyone knows is that our MLS syndicates to all these different websites. And some of these websites syndicate, you know, every hour, some do it every 24 hours. Some might do it once a week. Mm -hmm. So you're just not probably getting up to date information. If you're on like something directly from an agent, you're in real time. You get it when we get it. And uh, sometimes that's quite a bit ahead of time. We find that on listings sometimes. People will go to their favorite little site. They'll say, hey, our listing's not even up yet. Well, that's not us. It's that website that's it's grabbing that stuff from us. Yeah. Well, or, or you think about this for a second. This is a better way to think of it. So let's say within a one-mile area of your house, there's only one property for sale, which is not uncommon right now when you do a market analysis. Yeah. So now you go to that website and you start, hey, I'm going to look for houses in this city. It shows one house for sale. What value is that website? So that's why a lot of times when they say active, they'll put everything that's pending. So the other 25 houses that are still pending show as active. So now there's 25 houses. So then you say, well, this website has more houses to look at. It has more stuff to offer me versus, you know, going with your MLS because your MLS only shows one property. I go, yeah, but here's the reality. As a buyer, shopper, you can shop all of them, right? As a buyer, you can only buy one of them. You know, that is interesting. You know, do you always send the MLS listings to them first or do you surprise them when you show? In the old days, we used to surprise them and tell, not tell them what we're looking at. Right. But nowadays, with so much access to it, we're typically working together to be able to create our, um, you know, showing list. And it's usually collaborative, but mainly on the buyer side. They're the ones that are choosing to go or not go. Well, we do an extensive interview with our clients where we say, hey, what are you looking for? What areas? What are the possibilities? And we know that sometimes people will say, well, there's nothing for sale up in Zimmerman or wherever, Elk River, whatever. And they'll say, but here's this one I found, and it's only a two-bedroom. And you and you told me only three bedrooms or more. So the, the searches are very dialed in to not waste your time. So you get those searches where they're three-bedroom, two-bath, over 4,000 square feet with a pole barn. You're only going to see stuff that pops up that meets that criteria. Right. Of course, you're going to find other things for sale that don't meet your criteria, but that's where I try to save you time and money and energy. But if you're going to get flexible on me, which is great, tell me that and I can show you everything that you want to see. So we try to not just throw stuff at people and say, here, guess, you know, we usually, our, our listings are very dialed in. So when you say like, are we helping them? Oh, 100%, we're guiding them to the golden ticket. And if they don't want to buy it, that's their choice. But I mean, we're, Everything is dialed into that property. So sometimes it's not always for sale when they're ready to, but I say be patient. The more specific you are, the school district you want, or acreage in a school district with a pole barn with access to a lake. Well, that might take us two years to find it, but we'll find it. Andy, okay, so now we're now we get them out. We've got them, and now we go into the house. I mean, do you have a system that you use to be able to show them the house? Check mechanicals, uh, look at different things. or Not a showing? On a showing. So say, yep, you're going into to the house. How first do you handle I, that? First thing I do is I stop at the curb at the first house. And I say, let me explain something to you guys, especially when the house, let's, let's assume we're back to a busier market where you can actually go out and look at four or five houses on a Saturday, right? And we go to the first house and I'll say, listen, you don't owe this person or me anything. And so when you look at this house, is this a place you'd want to live even from the street? 
do you look look around, look at the neighborhood? And I go, and they'll go, not not really. And I go, then let's not waste our time on this house. Let's go to the house where then when you find the house we like, we can spend the time. So we have an hour reserved, um, you know, so I double book some of my stuff. And so if we find one that's just a turd, we just pass on it, right? We just move to the next one. And then, then that gives us more time to really concentrate, take pictures, dive deeper on the ones that they like. Um, are you saying you don't even go into those houses? There are some houses I pull up to and then we, we say, nope, didn't work out. Wow. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 I agree with that, but I usually will. Hey, let's find out what you don't like, you know? And so we can go in it quick, not just, there's some people that want to just look at houses and check everything and they have no interest in it at all. That's a waste of time and it gets confusing later on. Right. So it's, it's much, it's, it's better to say, okay, Hey, this is why I don't like it, but there might be something in it and it might be a one and a half story. Hey, do you like your master bedroom up top or do you rather have it on the main floor? And so there's sometimes there's, there's advantages to even looking at the, the crappy ones, but there, I think, I think setting their expectations is what you're talking about. And I think that's a great thing in which to do. Well, and you're correct. I mean, now in today's market, we, if it's for sale, we go in and we look at it because there's not much for sale. So we, we give every house an opportunity, but in a busier market where there's variety for sale or there's a quantity of houses for sale, I'm always just like, Hey, if this doesn't, if this shoe doesn't fit, chuck it, let's get another shoe on your foot. Right. Until we find a shoe that fits, then let's do the deep dive, the analysis, the markets, you know, like, like I always say, just because it's listed doesn't mean it's a good deal or it's overpriced. So yeah. it's like, I always do an in-depth market. Once they find that house, then I dive in, go back to my office and do a market analysis on that house to make sure that I agree with the list price. And then I can guide them on what to offer because I'm like, hey guys, this is 15,000 under value. Let's just write it at list and get it done. Or, hey, this is 50,000, like the one we talked about earlier, overvalue. And here's what you really should offer. Um, I, I just had this happen with another uh, friend of ours and we went out, we wrote an offer on a property and we wrote it low and they go, we've only been on the market seven days. And I said, well, I said, there's a couple of reasons why we wrote it low. Can we, can we share that with you guys as a listing agent? And the listing agent says, it doesn't matter. It's an estate. It's, it's three kids that want to divide up the money. It doesn't matter. And I, I chuckled and I said, well, you, you guys just got an approval for uh, a new subsidized housing project right next door which may not be a problem, maybe wonderful neighbors. But I said, in the future, there may be a stigma of people, I don't want to live next to that, or I don't want to be whatever. So I go, so we will have that challenge when we sell the house. The other challenge is there hasn't been a house in your neighborhood that's sold in two years that's been within $100,000 of your price. So this is why we come to you with this price. And we wrote it for what it was worth. And guess what, Chris? That was three months ago. That house is still for sale. Yeah, yeah. And it's ultimately, you know, it's what we think it's worth. It's not necessarily that you're going to buy it. And I think buyers have to understand that. I mean, just because you think it's going to be next to a group home and that no other house is sold there, they might think it is. And so it's, it might not work. And that's okay. We walk, we walk away, we move away. But what about like mechanicals? I mean, we saw some pumps on here. We saw radon mitigation systems. Are those things that you, you hunt out? Or is it kind of like, hey, by the way, um, it's got a radon system, you know, already in place. And boy, it's nice to have a sump pump in case you have water backup. I mean, to me, those are more, you know, natural things that I'll just kind of talk about in there. But you, you watch on like HDTV and stuff and where people go in and say, hey, here's the living room. Oh, no shit. 
I mean, we know that's a living room, you know what I mean? And uh, I kind of like to let people enjoy and go where they go and then just kind of follow up and then maybe point out some things that they, they didn't really see, you know, like, oh my gosh, that's a, that's a quartz. That's nice. You know, that's a solid surface countertop and this price point, you probably want that. Something like that. So hundred percent depends on the personality of the buyer. Um, some people go through and want the light and fluffy and the, I've connected emotionally with this house and I love it and I don't know why. And I'll say, well, but your dad would have noticed that crack in the ceiling up there. And I always, I always use the dads as the, the bad news guys. Yeah. And I'll say, oh, by the way, this furnace looks like it's literally got about 10 more feet. It's going to kick and then it's done and, you know, or whatever. So we go through those uh, situations and I'll, and I'll let them fall in love with the house because that's important because a lot of people buy houses on emotion. And then what I try to do is bring in the practical side of it and say, okay, by the way, these are things that I've noticed. So when we write this offer, I'm going to strongly suggest an inspection. Um, and we bring back the inspector to, to look at these items for us to make sure that you're going to be okay in the future. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, it is, it's an interesting thing. I think you also look at, you know, when buyers are going through houses and you see some that are amazing, you walk through them and, oh my gosh, it's so perfectly clean and they've got cookies and some water out and it smells beautiful and all the blinds are open and all the lights are on. And the next one you go into, the dog's running around, the blinds are down, there's no lights on and it smells like, you know, they've had yeah. uh, mice for years. So you, you kind of got to, I mean, it's, it's kind of give and take and I, th I think the expectation um, now, because of things like HGTV, are that homes are typically in better condition. Um, people are really into, you know, staging or positioning the homes right now to be able to try to get the most amount of money because people have a very hard time envisioning, envisioning what, what they have there. So the more you can show them, the more they'll end up paying for it. Agreed. So. So, yeah, so that's hopefully, I mean, there's some different ways in which to be able to kind of uh, look at houses. I mean, I thought the one thing uh, between Andy and I that was interesting is that that you'd leave maybe right away on some that it that you know they're not going to buy it. And I might look at it as, geez, but I think I'm more like for that, owing that seller. And I think that you made a good point is that I think, hey, I set that showing up. I should at least go in there. But in the on the other hand, I mean, why am I going to bother the owner by even going in there if my people aren't going to even buy it? You know, so that there's that's a positive. You know that, and you're you're right. An old school respect factor, I would call on my way from one house to the next house and say, "Hey, you know, at the street it stopped us. We didn't realize you guys had such a toasted roof, and so we didn't even go in. So you tell your seller thank you, but we're we're going to move on. Um, and so I always make sure to do that courtesy because nothing worse is if they're they got their four kids and they're down at the McDonald's trying to keep everybody happy until the showing's over. And, you know, so. All right. We're, uh, we're going to do a little fix this listing after okay. a little commercial here. Nice. For guess who? I was just one years old when my family started in real estate, where both my parents were agents. They also dabbled in investing in real estate, rentals, flips, and construction. After college, I went right into getting my license in July of 1990. As a 23-year-old agent in an industry that looks nothing like today, I had to know more for my clients to choose me. There wasn't Zillow or social media to tell them how good I was. 
I had to win them over with knowledge. With knowledge comes confidence, and with confidence comes results. Interesting. Oh, boy. How are we going to fix this list? It's brand new construction. Yeah. Uh, other than uh, maybe getting some color on there, I think I would do that. Yep. And I would maybe um, not have these dirt clumps in the way. And maybe, just maybe, I would get some, maybe a closer shot, a more um, appealing front photo. Meaning yeah. that I might just grab that porch or something. Agreed. So, I, uh, I struggle with that look too. And, and there's a lot of things. Well, I, first of all, I'm not, we, we don't do a ton of the coach lights anymore. I don't know, but a lot of our like modern farmhouse stuff doesn't have it. Or if it does, it's where it hangs kind of like a dome and it's, and it's a nice accent color or we do can lights up in the soffits and, and then they probably, it looks like it's raw material right now, but the posts, um, could easily be painted and, um, yeah. uh, you get the, get the window up top cleaned out. That's a false window, but they probably enclosed all that upstairs. It still has a sticker on it. Boy, I'll tell you the other thing too, that but, uh, yeah. trim, the trim on the inside of that garage is very apparent. That buck? Yep. Yeah. Yep. It just doesn't look great. So again, it just, yeah. I don't know. When I look at this picture, I'm focusing more on the yard than I am on the house. And uh, yeah, but you know, I, I have a lot of my houses that don't have the landscaping done, and and they're no, no. they're fine. But like how Nick just zoomed it in there, that was a lot better than showing that whole that whole backyard. I mean, For you sure. might have some of those lot shots from at the very beginning that might show it um, with grass on it, but. I always, my, my listing photos, if you ever look at, I got a pretty consistent, I like to get a, I, I have my guys do their flying, you know, cameras and I'll have them fly up about 12 feet in the air. And then I have it where you can square in on the front door. I don't want it to be garage dominant. I want it to be house dominant, but not too far house dominant. So a lot of my photos are very consistent. It looks like you're standing on the top of your car, taking a photo is what it looks like. And it's a nice angle. Isn't that interesting? I'm a real, I got a real problem with these um, driveways that are in the pictures. Mm -hmm. You know, I like to take the angle from the house side rather than the garage. Cause a lot of people take the, or from the driveway where you see the driveway the whole way up to the house. And okay. now if it's a super long driveway, that's cool. But rather than doing it there, I like to move it over here and take that shot of the house with just yeah. a portion of the driveway. Cause most driveways don't look that good either. Anyways. Right. right. So. Yeah, That's the interior photos there. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. When it's staged, I mean, and this is probably the way you start out right here. You know, yep. you get more of this kind of stuff than you do um, that outside. Yeah. That's a nice house. That's I like it. Difference. Yeah. Was that, in, that was in Shakopee? Don't we don't, know uh, a lot of times when we have our main floor laundry though, we won't do a tub um, for the extra, I don't know, 600 bucks. We put in a vanity um a wood matching vanity to the kitchen because it's on the main level this, and then we'll do a drop-in style sink this looks like a cool way to do a pantry though with those yeah. glass doors behind the glass doors yep sure is that's kind of neat yeah put all your toasters coffee makers um you know all even that though, stuff. even though that area is never a clean area i don't think right it's kind of like 
I don't know if you have the full glass doors, but it's good for sale. You might uh, put something else, frost that glass a little. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, yeah, otherwise you see all your crap. If you're going to see all your crap all the time, then why even have the doors on it, you know? Yeah, I'm with you. Cool. Hey, Andy, have you ever on a uh, new construction where it has that little ledger board mm -hmm. because you're going to do it for later? Have you ever seen like someone just doing at the beginning, like a little balcony and just having a balcony just so you can utilize it a little before you put on a deck? Well, I've had people tell me straight up that, yes, it's a walkout lot. We're just going to put a grill out there. And I just say, so we do like a little six by eight grilling deck, I call it, with a set of stairs to the backyard. Yeah. Um, I've done plenty of those. I wonder if builders should do that anyways. It's kind of like it's, you, you go through so many of these uh, developments that were maybe 2017, 18, people still don't have decks. I mean, to give a little balcony out there just so you can open the door yeah. because that door has to be blocked off. So yep. you can't open it. And it's just, it's kind of silly. Well, you know that, and like even in Blaine, uh, just just kind of an interesting reference. The one of the developments that we're in, they will not allow us to even put the deck ledger on the house until it's deck permit time. Okay. Big Lake was the same way because they said it was such a low number of people that would come back and actually put a deck on that they they did the same exact thing because it looks like a raw board. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think that that's the city's place to say that because I just I it, that bothers me. But what I would say is that either should be painted or wrapped. So that it matches the house, um, you know, because it then it'd be fine. But yeah, because okay. it is nice to have it wrapped, especially if you finish your basement. You know, you want to get those uh, leg bolts through the, you know, bolted to the house. And when you when you when they, you know, just bolt it in there, and you don't know how strong that board is there. You know, yes, you can go into the floor system, but it's not bolted. Then it's actually just anchor bolt versus you know screw and nut. Right. Yeah. Well, hey, if you ever uh, need any particular information. Oh, what is this? We're doing another one? Wow. For Andy. Oh, and oh this is Andy. I better be careful. This is a competitor. In Andover. Hey, how about Andover? Um, fifth year of the state hockey tournament for the boys. Wow. Five years in a row. That's impressive. I don't know if they won last night. I fell asleep during the game. Lakeville South and them. But Minnetonka won. They won in overtime. They're number one team in Hill Murray, and Hill Murray took them right to the end. Wow. It was really good. Yeah, it actually went into overtime. That's great. Yeah. So what are you going to say about that's uh, a competitor of yours right there? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> really, really nice property. Well, it's a – that's it's an existing house, though. I mean, Yeah, it's been on the market a while. You know, you look at – I don't have the stats in front of me – 3,000 square feet, I'm guessing that includes the basement. I think that house is about 2,400 square foot above ground and then, you know, another 1,000 in the basement finished. So they're they're pushing the market a little bit on that price for sure. Um, when you list your house, do not put the boat on the side of the garage. Just say it. Yeah. It, it, put it at your friend's house. Yeah. Yeah. Or put it where it's supposed to go, like storage. <laughs> exactly. You know, there's a lot of neighborhoods that won't allow that too. Oh, for sure. I would be surprised if that neighborhood, that's a newer neighborhood, but he's got the big pad for it, which is nice. Yeah. Well, that's what they're trying to show. I mean, now there's a lot of folks that I meet with that say they want to have the ability to put their camper on the side of their house overnight when they're getting ready for the weekend or whatever, or unpack it, 
totally understand that. And and there's a lot of neighborhoods that don't allow more than 24 hours. So um, like a boat like that on the side of the house, it, it's subjective to opinion. Some people won't live in a neighborhood because of that because they think it looks terrible. It looks like leaving cars in your yard kind of a thing. And other people think it's great, you know, so it's convenient. It's easy. It's, you know, it's my land. I do what I want. So you get varying opinions for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But that house, that house is very, I mean, turnkey inside for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No fireplace on the main level, all picture windows. I like the little dickel spacing in the back there. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at the, is that a, a deck off to the side instead? That's kind of nice. Yeah, right behind the garage. The yeah, right behind the garage. Yeah. Yeah, that is nice. I like that island. Yep. It's, so it's cool. It's a different color like that. I like that too. LVP. Yep. Farmer's sink. Wow. Yeah, double oven with the microwave above so you can't reach it, but that's cool. Other than that, yeah, the kids can eat their food up, but. Right. Yeah, that is. But that's a that's a more of a problem than you realize. I mean, and then you can't even fit it on the sink, uh, the island. It's like it's it. You have nowhere to put a microwave now when you do a double oven. Yeah. So that's where some of those people are, are converting and going to the um, the catch alls where they're microwave, air fryer, you know, the top unit. Absolutely. Yeah. And, it, and you can use it as a convection oven, but it's not like a true double oven. And how often do you use a true double oven? You know, we, I cook a ton and we don't use ours very often either. Um, the only day that I would really want it is Thanksgiving. Um, and at that point in time, I'm so planned ahead that I use, you know, smokers or grills or deep fryers or whatever too. So I have everything coordinated on timing. And then I actually will con- cook ahead of time and put some things in the crock pots. And so I, I plan around it, but that other than one day a year, I would, I would rarely ever use that double oven. And I've learned from other customers. They say, just put the extra, you know, oven out in the, the garage or down in the basement, um, you know, for those overflow. Yeah, exactly. You don't, you use it so rarely. So. All right. We, we got them back to lead us out of here. Yep. Make sure you uh, give us a follow on, on social media, subscribe on YouTube, write us review iTunes, Spotify, and then all our website links and where you can stream is on our link tree. It's one link. You click it, you can find everything. So, and we're posting YouTube Shorts. Our YouTube Shorts are getting lots of views. So, oh, that's good. Look for those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, anything else, share them with a friend if you don't need them. Share them with a friend. Get some stay now, and that's what we're here for, my friends. So, all right. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.